You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Investigators have scored a major victory helping put away another online predator who was tormenting young girls in BC. And a warning some of the details in this story are disturbing. Ramina Dea reports on the cross border cooperation between American authorities and RCMP that sent an Oregon man to prison. A 14-year-old victim, so terrified of the accused, she would cry when his name popped up on the phone. 37-year-old Kevin Robert McCarty, alias Robbie McKenzie, used Snapchat and Instagram to stalk his child victims online, coercing them into producing and sharing sexually explicit photos and videos of themselves, say U.S. authorities. The victims, three B.C. children aged 14 to 15 from Comox Valley, West Shore and Surrey. After Comox RCMP identify a suspect south of the border, U.S. Homeland Security is notified in 2021. Somewhat comforting to, to everybody uh, in the sense that we've stopped somebody from exploiting children uh, across borders. According to U.S. court documents, victim one first comes forward in 2020. She says she has sent over 50 nude photos of her breasts, vagina, buttocks, and a video of her engaging in a sexual act with another minor at the request of McCarty. Once the children hit send, he demands more. If they refuse, pornographic content is sent to family and friends. Graphic threats follow. This one to victim one. If anything happens to me, I'll cut your sister's throat and I will get out on bail and murder her. In this case, it went to the pretty, pretty extreme level of this individual saying, if you don't send me more images, then, uh, then you should commit suicide. Ultimately, McCarty is identified in a police photo lineup. The accused tracked down to Happy Valley, Oregon, where he was living with his mother, sister and her small children. McCarty was facing multiple serious charges in the U.S., but in February of this year, he pleaded guilty to one count of enticing a minor online and two counts of sexually exploiting children. He has been sentenced to 20 years in federal prison and a lifetime of supervised release. RCMP commending the children for their bravery and encouraging families to talk about online safety. Follow your gut if something doesn't feel right. Report it. And finally... Don't give in to the threats. Instead of letting the spiral out of even more out of control, it's time to take action and to stop. Romina Dea, Global News. Now to a Global News exclusive. A disgraced former Vancouver police detective was back before a judge this morning accused of having breached the conditions of his release. Back in 2018, James Fisher pleaded guilty to breach of trust and exploitation involving young women he was supposed to be protecting. Catherine Urquhart has more. Convicted sex offender Jim Fisher arrives at provincial court in Fort Coquitlam. The former Vancouver police detective is accused of failing to comply with court orders. Can we talk to you about the breach of your conditions? Do you have anything to say about it? In 2018, Fisher pleaded guilty to two counts of breach of trust and one count of sexual exploitation. 
The decorated officer admitted to several incidents of kissing a teenage girl and a 21-year-old woman, both victims of sex traffickers who had trusted the former police officer. Crown argued that as a member of the counter-exploitation unit, Fisher's victims were the very people he was paid to protect. He was sentenced to 20 months in jail following a months-long investigation. It's a difficult thing for me to come here and stand before you today and talk about this, but uh, like I said, it's one of those things that when we heard about it, we got onto this quickly and we did the right thing. Any comments on what happened today, Jim? Any comments? As for Fisher's latest court appearance, BC Prosecution Service says it involves allegations he failed to comply with an order issued pursuant to Section 490.012 by failing to report a secondary address a section that refers to the obligations of an accused to comply with the various conditions imposed pursuant to the Sex Offender Information Registration Act. Fisher's appearance was brief. His lawyer told the court they had only recently received disclosure in the case. As such, it has been put over for two weeks. After leaving the courthouse, the former detective refused to comment. Do you want to comment on the proceedings today? Fisher is due back in court November 16th. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Some terrifying moments at the height of the morning rush hour in Langley where a man was shot waiting in line at the drive-thru. Krista Dow is live with more on how it all unfolded and Krista, it has all the hallmarks of a gangland hit. Chris, absolutely an attempted hit with an extreme disregard for public safety. Two scenes under investigation today. One of them, this busy Starbucks drive through and the other uh, located about seven kilometers away from this scene where police are scouring the vehicle, scouring for clues of a burnt out vehicle. A routine morning coffee run to Starbucks turning violent as witnesses described a disturbing scene unfolding in the drive through lane. Heard a bunch of loud bangs. I turned to look behind me and saw the victim with blood coming down his face. Shots rang out just before 8.30 at the Langley Starbucks on Fraser Highway and 216th. The victim was shot multiple times in the face and leg, according to this witness, who came to the victim's aid. Global News has agreed not to identify her. I was holding the victim's jaw shut. He was bleeding from the mouth. It looked like he was shot in the mouth. Witnesses who live behind the Starbucks at the Travel Lodge say they were jolted by the sounds of gunfire. We heard pop, 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 and we... We just realized somebody got shot. It's scary. There's so many scary things going on all over right now in public places. Witnesses tell us they saw two male suspects dressed in all black fleeing through the bushes by the drive-thru. I asked him if he knew what happened or who it was, and all he said was they were waiting for me. This looks to us from witness accounts and so on that it was targeted. About 15 minutes later, a torch vehicle was found in the area of 68th Avenue and 229th Street. The white sedan matching the description of a getaway vehicle, according to RCMP. While there's no further risk to the public, police frustrated with the brazen level of violence. This is the concerning part for us because it was such a busy location. RCMP are investigating any links to gang violence.
So, Krista, how is the victim doing? Is there any update, uh, update on his status? Well, Chris, police say he was seriously injured. Right now, they actually don't have a status update on his condition. But witnesses we spoke to who were who was having conversations with him say that he was awake, he was lucid, and he was alert before he was airlifted to a local hospital. But the shooting here, no doubt, sending shockwaves throughout the community, Chris. For sure. Okay, thanks very much. Chris Dow reporting in Langley tonight. A 21-year-old man is heading to jail for the agonizing overdose death of Carson Cremini at a Langley skate park four years ago. As Janet Brown reports, the victim's family says while there will never be closure, there are at least lessons to be learned from this troubling crime. Disappointed, disappointed. A former drug dealer who was 17 at the time and therefore can't be named, who gave 14-year-old Carson Cremini a fatal dose of MDMA at the Walnut Grove Skate Park, has been sentenced to 18 months in jail after pleading guilty to manslaughter and will serve an 18-month conditional sentence in the community after his release. What he took away from us can't be measured. A number of teenagers took videos of Carson in obvious distress at the skate park, posting them on social media and never calling for help. In handing down sentencing, B.C. Supreme Court Justice Kathleen Kerr said, what happened to Carson was a 21st century equivalent of a scene from Lord of the Flies. Carson was the center of his family's universe, a bright star, whose death has sucked everyone into a black hole of unending grief. It was difficult not to be heartbroken, even from the defense perspective. Outside court, Carson's family was asked if they have a message for parents and kids. What lessons could be learned from this tragic death? Watch their peer group, watch who they're hanging out with. Um, you know, Carson actually, hanging out with kids that were 17, um, 19 and 20 years should not be hanging around with somebody that just turned 14. The big message here is if you see somebody in trouble and from the videos Carson was very blatantly in a lot of distress, he was in a lot of trouble, don't just ignore it, don't, you know what I mean, this isn't something to put on social media and have a laugh about, this is something serious and if you see somebody in trouble, Help them, call 911. The family says while the court case is behind them, life without Carson will never be the same. Janet Brown, Global News. Vancouver police have raided the offices of the Drug Users Liberation Front, a compassion club that's been very public about its activities. It's even received public funding for its work supplying black market drugs to users after the drugs have been tested safe. As Paul Johnson reports, police say they could not allow the operation to continue. It being that if, and saving lives means that, you know, I'm a criminal and I'm going to jail, uh, that's just the way it is. Those were the thoughts of Drug User Liberation Front co-founder Jeremy Callicum several weeks ago when we toured their East Van facility and saw their massive supply of illegally acquired heroin, cocaine and meth which they were testing and then supplying to a select group of users. That knock on the door came Wednesday night when VPD raided their space and arrested two people at their homes. We have always warned that anyone who violates the criminal code or the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act should expect to face enforcement and criminal charges. 
While the two arrested were released and nothing was immediately known about charges, the raid appears to put an end to Dolph's years-long experiment in illegal safe supply. Provincial funding for their drug testing work, which amounted to $200,000 last year, was recently stopped. And the news that Dolph is now allegedly a criminal operation led to this testy exchange in Victoria Thursday. Will the Premier take full responsibility and accountability for the NDP's taxpayer-funded drug trafficking and ensure his government's absolute cooperation with the ongoing police investigation? In no way, shape or form were any of those funds intended for the purchase of illegal drugs, and the member knows that. A few blocks away from Dolph's shuttered office, other safe supply advocates see the raid as a blow to their efforts to destigmatize and end the prohibition of hard drugs. Why are we saying that people who use drugs are bad or that drugs are bad? This is just something we've been taught for 100 years. It is not actually based in fact, and we need to be thinking about this at a bigger level because people are dying. In the downtown east side, Paul Johnson, Global News. An amazing tale of survival is emerging on the high seas. Good Samaritans have rescued one of two fishers feared lost in the waters off Vancouver Island. The pair departed Washington State on October 12th in this boat and were supposed to return three days later. When they didn't, a massive search of more than 36,000 square kilometers of ocean off Euclid was launched. It failed to turn up any sign of the missing men. And then today, a big break. Good Samaritans found one of the fishers in a lifeboat. He's in stable condition. The other man, though, is still missing. Whistler residents face the fact they're living among grizzly bears. Black bear sightings are common, but the municipality has seen quite an increase in grizzly activity, too. They ended up trapping one today. How locals feel about the way it's being handled, next on the News Hour. An effective new tool in the fight against breast cancer, how it can drastically speed up treatment. Plus, it's exciting to, to feel that energy and to know that people uh, appreciate monsters so much. Decades of design on display, inspiring the next generation of movie monsters. That's coming up later. But right now, conservation officers in Whistler have finally captured a grizzly bear that's made several appearances in and around town over the past few weeks. As Cassidy Moscone reports, officials took action even though the animal didn't appear to be aggressive. It's not unusual to see bears walking in Whistler. This was midday Thursday, but a grizzly is something else. I hope you um, try to move it away. One big grizzly bear getting a little too close for comfort, spotted 10 times in as many days on Balsam Street. Are the locals a little bit more worried with it being a yeah. grizzly? Yeah, definitely. And statistics, statistically, we know that grizzlies do more harm than a black bear, so we are careful. It's forced conservation officers to take action. The best outcome was to... Uh, give, this, give the bear some space and hoping that he's going to move on, uh, finding a better habitat. Unfortunately, the bear didn't move on. A trap set Tuesday within 48 hours. 
The bear was captured here, just metres from a playground on the path to a school. Conservation officers say it hadn't shown any aggressive behaviour, but couldn't have it getting too comfortable in urban areas. The bear walked into a trap and now we're going to collar him, tag the bear, and uh, he's going to be transported to a, a better location. I think it's good news that bears are, grizzly bears are, are, their populations are coming back. The Conservation Officer Service has extensive planning and management protocols that they have in place and we trust that work. Some residents frustrated. They could probably have trapped it earlier. Others questioning the long-term management plan. That's up to the entire community to every agency and government as well to work together and find some solutions. We're learning as we go here. Cassidy Moscone, Global News. The provincial government has announced a $300 million conservation financing mechanism to help protect BC's environment. BC is giving $150 million to the Nature Fund, which will be matched by an additional $150 million from the BC Parks Foundation. That money will speed up efforts to preserve vital forests and ecosystems and protect the province against the effects of climate change. The funds will be managed by the foundation and will be overseen independently by a special committee of experts, half of whom will be First Nations. This conservation finance mechanism is how we will work together, First Nations, provincial government, the private sector, to protect the beauty of this province for generations to come. The fund will focus on conservation measures led or supported by First Nations to add further Indigenous-led protections for BC lands. Coming up, Vancouver's home price paradox. How can we be asked to contribute to being a bigger part of the solution? The policy failures and future solutions for our housing crisis and why used car prices haven't exactly come back down to earth either in Consumer Matters next. Good evening, and traffic is moving well both ways over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge, especially after clearing an earlier four-vehicle crash northbound on the 91 near the truck pullout on the approach. Get 0.99% financing for up to 60 months on a Sierra 1500 Pro. Visit your local GMC dealer today. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. With Vancouver home prices climbing ever higher, a new report is quantifying just how out of reach home ownership has become for most families. Aaron MacArthur shows us the growing gap between average home prices and BC's average income. It should surprise exactly no one that home prices in Vancouver have detached themselves from reality. Home ownership has been out of reach for most people for the better part of a decade. The last two years have only made the situation worse. Interest rates have skyrocketed and home prices have just kept rising. A lot of unpredictability, um, you know, with especially what happened in the last year. A new report from rates.ca puts this shrinking affordability into focus. In Vancouver, the median household income is around $86,000 a year. That average family would qualify for an uninsured mortgage of just more than $400,000. The median home price in this city is $1.2 million, or 195% more than they could afford. While young people and those not in the market are getting hammered, current homeowners have no incentive to help create more affordable options. It's happened because 
many people, myself included, became accustomed to counting on rising home prices to give us a lazy wealth windfall. The provincial and federal governments have shown interest in making housing more affordable. This week, Federal Housing Minister Sean Fraser sent Metro Vancouver a letter urging the board to rethink planned increases in development cost charges, writing, a drastic increase in the development charges will inhibit our ability to seize the opportunity to incentivize a rapid increase in construction. I think that Minister Fraser's proposal is very reasonable uh, and certainly hoping that uh, the Metro Vancouver mayors consider it uh, so that we can finally get those important federal dollars into our communities. More options for more housing should make it less expensive. Whether those choices will be affordable, though, is debatable. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, there aren't many bargains in the used car market either, but if you are looking for one, industry analysts say you're better off shopping for trucks and SUVs. And with more, we'll bring in Consumer Matters reporter, Andrea, and thanks, Chris. While prices for used vehicles still remain high despite the slight decrease, there appears to be more of a demand for smaller, fuel-efficient vehicles. High inflation, gas prices, and overall issues around affordability are driving demand for less expensive vehicle models. Now, according to Canadian Black Book, which provides data on the value of vehicles, the overall trend of used vehicles in terms of price is just slightly, on average, lower compared to what we've seen in the past. In May, average prices of used vehicles hit a low point at $36,000. Then they climbed in August to an average of $39,000, dipping down yet again to $38,000 in October. Now, much of that being attributed to the upcoming winter months, when prices traditionally tend to be a little lower. While prices still remain high, trucks and SUVs are on the downturn. Still, used vehicles continue to be in short supply, which means don't expect vehicle prices to come down too dramatically. Having said that, this time of year is typically a good time to go car shopping. If you need to get into the market now, values are on the decrease. Longer term, they're still going to hold lots of value. So if you, if you buy at this time of year, it's usually decreased value. Um, it's a slower time of year, so you could get some deals out there. Um, but I would stick to a smaller, more efficient vehicle. Um, on, on the traditional internal combustion engine standpoint, hybrids are still high demand. Plug-in hybrids are even more de high demand. Um, and the cost of entry there is still going to stay pretty high. So if you can shop towards the later part of the year, you know, this quarter is really good to start your shopping um, and look for a smaller vehicle. That's right. Traditionally, there are better deals for both used and new vehicles at the end of the year. But if you're not pressed for time, we are told late winter and into the new year is probably best since dealers are looking to push out inventory as they prepare for next year's supply. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right, and thanks for that. Still to come, better breast cancer detection. The new tool to get you the treatment you need much quicker. Plus... I never had a room, my room, before I went to before I went to college. The Whitecaps' lovable coach and how an unconventional childhood in Italy made him what he is today. From protecting small business gems to outing big business bullies, if it matters to consumers, it matters to investigative reporter Andrua. Consumer Matters with Andrua on Global News.
Good evening, counter for the Massey Tunnel. Traffic is moving well in both directions. The busiest part is actually the Steveston off-ramp headed north. The gold standard by being Ford Aluminum certified at all 45 locations. Craftsman Collision, BC's favorite body shop. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel. A Vancouver Island businessman says thieves have likely robbed him of his retirement. Jeff Ross owns three gold-silver guy jewelry shops in Nanaimo, Qualicum and Duncan. But sometime early Wednesday morning, thieves cut the security system and then cut through the brick wall of his store in Qualicum. They got into his safe and stole more than $60,000 worth of merchandise. He counts 22 break-ins in 25 years, a handful in the last few years alone, and wonders how long he can stay in business. I can't buy insurance, so it's 100% loss. I haven't had insurance for over eight years. So in October last year till now, not quite a whole year, I've had five break-ins. They took their time, they knew they had time, and um, it leads us to believe that the persons who did this uh, were not amateurs. Ross says it comes down to deterrence, and he feels the court system is doing very little to stop repeat offenders. A new study out of UBC is critical of the way BC courts handle injunctions against tent encampments. As Kristen Robinson shows us, the report accuses judges of being too hasty to grant them. The encampment at Crab Park is not the first. Tents also erected here 20 years ago when an injunction forced people to move. A new report out of UBC suggests until society and governments commit to effectively implement a right to housing, encampments will persist and multiply. They're gonna get worse, there's gonna be more people homeless. Injunctions are supposed to be drastic and extraordinary remedies. The author of Rush to Judgment studied 24 court decisions on injunctions against homeless encampments on government-owned property in B.C. between 2000 and 2022 and found applications for interlocutory or temporary injunctions had an 85% success rate, while applications for final injunctions, which have a higher legal standard of proof that they're necessary, had a much lower success rate of 25%. Going to court to get injunctions... Uh, is really just kicking the problem literally down the road. What is needed is for all three levels of government to sit down seriously with the real experts of people with lived experience of homelessness to work on lasting solutions. I don't support encampments. I don't think they're a solution to uh, homelessness. That was David Eby a year ago. Today, BC's Premier says he's working on a provincial standard for local governments to end encampments. Specifically, what is adequate shelter uh, for the purposes of being able to tell people you can't sleep in a park anymore. If decampment happens at Crab Park, the Hastings Crossing BIA says housing and wraparound services need to be provided. Do you think it's humane to see people living in a public park in a city like Vancouver? Oh, absolutely not. Uh, it's definitely not humane to have to you know, resort to situations like this, but I think in the absence of you know, adequate housing, people find it safer to be in a space like this. Rich Christian knows how hard it is to sketch out a home. After three months of treatment, the professional snowboarder says he's been on a housing wait list for three years. It'd be nice to have a house again, I miss it. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A cutting-edge new device at Royal Columbian Hospital is going to speed up the diagnosis and treatment of breast cancer. The diagnostic analyzer is used to detect if breast tumors contain a specific protein, HER2, 
that causes cancer to grow quickly. The device cuts the time for that test from weeks to just days, giving doctors and patients more treatment options much earlier. So much of cancer now is treated with personalized and tailored regimens that work for specific patients. And by having this answer, by the time you visit your clinician for the first time, either your surgeon or your oncologist, that will allow us to make a, a treatment plan together with the patient so that we can move you through the system more quickly to get you back to your family. The $150,000 device was purchased for Royal Columbian with money raised by the Drive for the Cure Foundation and private donations as well. And coming up, a Halloween creep show. Here's a bin of hands. BC's master of special effects and how he's sharing his collection of movie monsters with everyone. I'm the last one that knows the meaning of it. Plus, a legendary Heisler Carver and how his creations are keeping the tradition alive. Sammy Robinson's legacy is etched in his many amazing carvings. The artist's impact on BC's North Coast as a leader, a historian, and human being are also destined to be preserved and celebrated for generations to come. Elizabeth McSheffery shows us more. Inlaid with a razor clam. It took me a whole year to carve the two, and I was working 15, 16 hours a day. There are many who covet Sammy Robinson's carvings as priceless. It's hard to imagine a time when you could buy his art for just a couple of bucks. Eight, nine years old. I carved little things like paddles and canoe builders. At 89 years old, he's had a lifetime to perfect his craft. All that time and skill etched into rare and treasured totem poles like this one. His work, now world famous, fetches up to $30,000 a piece, with few master carvers remaining. Carving uh, means a lot to me, to people of my age. I'm the last one that knows the meaning of it. I was the last one that kept it up when it died off. The youngest of nine siblings, Sammy's family hid him away from residential school. It may have saved his life, along with the teachings he now preserves in his artwork. All those things were drummed into my head. I've been back and forth between Terrace and Kitimat for four days now, and I have yet to meet a single person who doesn't know Sammy or have a story to share about his artwork. So I grew up around Sammy Robinson's shop, uh, probably bugging him and pestering him. But Sammy, Sammy's always been good to me. He's, he's always supported everything I've done. A reputation that extends across BC's north coast. We have two pieces of Sammy's work uh, in our permanent collection. One of them, which you can see behind me, is actually one of the very first artifacts that the museum ever acquired. And in Sammy's village. He would tell us stories of legends and, and they were always so entertaining and he always kept you captivated. It's an incredible legacy that's not yet complete. I want to carve one more totem pole. And I'll carve as long as I can the small stuff. That's what keeps me going. Another priceless masterpiece to be enjoyed for generations. 
I told him I don't want it less than 12 feet. After Sammy sets his tools down. It's a lot of work. For good. Elizabeth McSheffrey, Global News, Kitimat Village. And coming up tomorrow, we'll show you more about how Heisler traditions like carvings are being passed down to the next generation, kept afloat through the practice of building canoes. That's tomorrow on the News Hour. All right, we'll check in with Christy right now. who has got the weather forecast, and it is definitely starting to feel closer to winter, and at least on the mountaintops, looking like it. That's exactly right. Nice dusting of snowfall yesterday, earlier in the morning. Uh, I looked at the North Shore Mountains today, and it was hard to see that snow, except for a few patches, but still beautiful nonetheless. Looking towards the mountains out from the Agassiz area. Thanks to Laura for that one. Not only do we see snow in the mountains, but foggy conditions this morning and a bit of frost. Expect a patchy fog near the water uh, if you're out on Vancouver Island. Less so for Metro Vancouver, but we are expecting frost tomorrow morning. Give yourself a little bit of extra time and watch for sleep slippery conditions. All right, so we have strong outflow winds and that is meaning clear skies at night and we are going to drop down to zero degrees. So chilly tonight and temperatures are going to remain below seasonal for a good three to four days at least. Strong northerly flow right now and the upper level ridge is sitting offshore and that's helping to protect anything from moving onto the coast. And so that is why we were going to say sunny over the next several days. But of course, we're all wondering about Halloween. This is Tuesday, everyone. Yes, the ridge of high pressure begins to break down on Tuesday. So we're not too far away from the potential for rainfall, but it looks like at this point it may hold and uh, be dry for uh, Halloween. In the meantime, there's your sunny Friday, everyone. Yes, chilly, bundle up. And again, expect patchy fog and through the interior regions and around Vancouver Island tomorrow morning. Otherwise, sunshine and cool conditions. Here's your look. So Monday, Tuesday, yes, dry at this point, but certainly a little bit more cloud cover. Tonight's central windows weather window coming to you from Spruce Hills Ski Resort where Steve was up above looking down you can see that patchy fog in the valley but that's a beautiful sunset shot thanks Steve for that one probably can't wait for a bigger base get things going yeah. later in the season for sure thanks very much Christy all right there is Squire now with a look ahead to sports well, when Vanny Sartini signed his new contract on the weekend with the Whitecaps, he still really couldn't believe it. You see the, 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 the amount of dollars and you think, no, it's, it can't be possible. Like, you know. I don't know how much it was, but it obviously made him happy. His uh, new deal, of course, came because the Whitecaps got to the playoffs, and we're going to learn how he became the precarious coach he is. Look forward to that also tonight. When I was a kid, there was uh, a number of great monster movies that I was really affected by. How Todd Masters turned an early hobby into a Hollywood career. too much information it was um, you don't need to know it it will never be repeated but uh, listen bit of a scare for the Canucks I know you're gonna talk about that well yes this happened in Abbotsford last night but of course we all know who Vasily Pod Colson is the Canucks would like him to play in Vancouver again one day but last night in the game against the Colorado Eagles Pod Colson was taken to hospital after a nasty hit with about five minutes left in the third period now he was released from hospital this morning and was 
checked out by Canuck doctors today. Here's what happened. Keaton Middleton hits Pod Colson in the corner. He looks to get Pod Colson's feet out from underneath him before he goes down hard. Middleton got five minutes in a game. Pod Colson was stretchered off. He won't join Abbotsford on the road trip, but he told the Canucks today he is feeling better. Thank God it's not serious, and uh, he, he's feeling, he's feeling actually, he, he actually told RG, I feel great today, so hopefully it's not that bad. Now the Canucks have the St. Louis Blues here tomorrow night and the New York Rangers on Saturday night. The next five of six for the Canucks are at home, and everybody is in a good mood because of how they finished their road trip after that awful 2-0 loss in the second game of the trip in Philadelphia last Tuesday. That one bummed everybody out. We're all going to have bad games. We're all going to be not there, whether it's physically or mentally. But can you correct it? It's the guys that go three, four, five games making the same mistakes and they're not into it. I didn't see that. I saw the guys that corrected it right away. That's a good sign. Um, to me, that's, that's character. We're building in the right direction. We're coming in every day, working on things that we can get better at. And uh, it's, it's showing on the ice, so it's good. Uh, we just have to keep pushing forward, and we know there's still you know, more levels for us to get to, and we just gotta, we just gotta keep uh, building together in here. Now, before last Saturday's game against LAFC, the Vancouver Whitecaps signed head coach Vanny Sartini to a new two-year contract, which you kind of knew was gonna happen because he did get Vancouver into the playoffs. And also, since he became the head coach of Vancouver in 2021, he basically became the face and the voice of the entire franchise as well. One thing we know for sure about Vanny Sartini is he wears his heart on his sleeve, even when he doesn't have any sleeves or even a shirt. He's also fearless. He's a man who loves a crowd. Whether it's a selfie with a fan, Thank you to every one of you. Because whether it's his own locker room or whether it's a sold-out show for Nickelback. Even before being quote-unquote famous now here, I've always been a guy that I know I did everything in my life. Like uh, I, theater, uh, acting and singing. If, if there's a wedding, I'm the guy with the microphone. That kind of love of showbiz actually started at an early age in Italy where Vanny was part of the opening for a children's show. Yes, that's him right there, orange shirt, smallest kid. And maybe his never-ending youthful exuberance comes from the fact that his parents were only 17 years old when he was born. Yeah, 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 they're still together. It's, it's a crazy spell. It's like a, you don't realize when you're that young yeah. that your parents are so young. But it was always nice and having this special relationship. I, my dad was playing soccer, so I went every Sunday to see him playing with my grandparents. And like his dad, Vanny was a goalkeeper who realized he would make a much better coach. I fell in love with the game, playing the game. And to be honest, I think that, again, coaching is my real vocation. And I love, uh, I love a lot of, a lot of aspects about it. And when he took over as the Caps' interim head coach in 2021, he didn't think he'd still be doing that job two years later. When I took over, it was for me, okay, that's a great chance for me to get a little bit of exposure and maybe I can get a job somewhere else, maybe lower level, CPL, USL, as a head coach. <laughs> so getting a new two-year deal with Vancouver last week was the best news for Vanny and his wife, Barbara. When I started coaching, I started coaching in 2008. I started coaching in the sixth division of Italy. How much of that first job have paid? Uh, 250 euros per month. He's come a long way since then, 
but he's still grateful the Whitecaps gave him a chance. I'm not the typical coach. I'm a, they, they knew me as a personality that could have been, that could go both ways, I would say. But they obviously liked the way he went. Uh, Christine Sinclair's four-game farewell tour across Canada begins this Saturday in Montreal. She'll conclude it on December 1st in Victoria, then December 5th in Vancouver, ending things at BC Place, which, come on, being from Burnaby, is the only place her cross-Canada tour could end. Ball comes back in, Tancredi for Sinclair. Sinclair! Sinclair! Who else? 1-0 Canada! I do realize it's, it's going to be a special night, and this is, you know, a great opportunity to to play four games across Canada and for me to be able to say thank you to the fans that have supported me throughout my career. Um, and then, yeah, the one in Vancouver. Like, yeah, I don't know what is going to be planned. I just have told people I don't want to be surprised by anything. <laughs> well, you might get a couple of surprises. So, some people don't like surprises. Well, she's going to get surprised against her will. That's just the way it's going to be. It's going to be a big crowd, no doubt. Thanks, Squire. Up next, a horror story that's perfect for Halloween. This is BC is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agencies Group. 50 years of trust in your community. Jordan Armstrong is here now with a preview of what's coming up tonight on Global News at 11. Jordan. Chris, we are learning new details tonight about that rescue of an American fisherman off Vancouver Island. At 11, hear how he managed to survive nearly two weeks floating in a life raft. Plus, find out why one of the coastal class ferries will be taking a longer route to Vancouver Island beginning this Friday as a safety precaution. These stories and more later tonight. Chris. Look forward to that. Thanks very much, Jordan. Okay, so if you're looking for some inspiration for a Halloween costume, this might be it. Hollywood horror legend Todd Masters has opened up his archives for a Halloween showcase of some of his most famous creations. And our Jay Durant took a ghoulish tour for This Is B.C. He's from Haunting, Connecticut and Carnival. Just a normal day sorting through the bazaar at Masters FX. Here's Felicia. <laughs> organizing bodies and all the different parts. Well, this is good. Here's a bin of hands. A whole bunch of different stomachs of different gushiness. Your own lungs box. Oh, you know, who doesn't? Do you not have a lungs box? Shelves full in the back room. Up front, a pop-up museum showcasing many of Todd Masters' movie monsters. This is uh, Walrus Man. These are uh, Cochise and his Volm friends. It's exciting for people to actually see something that a lot of people reference. Maybe it's like Universal Studios or something where you can actually see the real stuff. Masters was just a teenager when he started coming up with creations at home. It also taught me how to do... Uh, rubber and molds and casting, and it was really a, a big jump for me uh, into the rest of this madness. Now, nearly four decades of design for film and TV have been pulled out of storage for public display. It's a very genre town. We've done quite a few monster movies here, you know, Aliens vs. Predator, um, zombie movies, science fiction movies, we've done them all here. You know what, we'll strap, maybe I'll strap, oh, yeah. strap it in real quick. Which is why this is a typical day at the office. Yeah. Not much out of the ordinary happening here. Molding limbs, painting thumbs, designing heads, and werewolves inside of heads. More arms, rats, autopsy rat. 
All of the great things that once influenced a young monster maker many years ago. It's Halloween, so a lot of people kind of take these ideas and, and maybe they want to make a costume themselves with something they've learned here. And that, that's really exciting to us because a lot of us actually did do the same thing. We once got inspired by another artist and we started our journey during Halloween too. Jay Durant, Global News. That last one is just crazy. All right, if you know someone who has a great story to share with the rest of us, just email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Let's get some great story ideas. We love to see them come in. All right, it's cooling down at night. Christy's got the last word on mm -hmm. weather before we sign off here. Certainly the potential for frost again tomorrow morning, Chris. So we're expecting clear skies overnight, so we'll drop down to zero degrees. Similar conditions through the weekend with temperatures reaching only seven or eight degrees during the day. Lots of sunshine, so still able to get out and enjoy the fall like uh, beautiful colors. But uh, Halloween, that's the key, right? It yes. does look dry, but I'm really urging everyone to tune back in. We're still on the outer edge of sort of our accuracy at five days. I know Will's watching, and I know your boys will, too. <laughs> Hopefully, it's a dry Halloween Eve. Mm -hmm. All right, thanks very much, Christy. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Howl at the moon if you feel like it. We'll see you back here tomorrow.